Good evening and welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shopta at C70. You've got David Jones at IPOP editor over there in the co-host chair as normal. And we're coming to you the weekend of winter warm-up, which is almost always a misnomer. As I'm sitting here looking out at about three inches of snow, David's about to get a whole bunch more, and St. Louis was about two degrees today. So there was absolutely no warmth in any of this, is there, David? You know, it is very interesting what's going on. I, I mean, I'm looking out my window right now and watching the snow come down. I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. Um, there's football being played right now. There's no baseball. Uh, because of what is going on right now because of the time of year. But I enjoy this very much. And, you know, it's been a big week for the Cardinals and winter warm-up, but it's also been a big week for you. You've released two podcasts this week, if I'm not mistaken. And what makes me feel great is out of the two podcasts you've released, I'm not even the most popular Jones that you've interviewed and talked to this week. I mean, I am trying to keep up with the Joneses, and it's it's a difficult task. But yes, we had Jeff Jones on over at Musial this week, which was a very interesting conversation. If you haven't heard that, you can find that on Meet Me at Musial, pretty much anywhere you find this podcast. So go ahead and listen to that. But Jeff was a good uh, a good way to get into winter warm up weekend, and now that we are pretty much done, they have some stuff tomorrow uh, on Martin Luther King Day. Um, the baseball writers dinner is probably going on right now as we um, are recording this. Um, we've had a chance to hear from a lot of the players, a lot of the, you know, I've heard from Mo and I, I think let's just start with Mo. I think Moses comments are probably the thing that people listen to the most. Right. Um, and I, I don't know that he said a lot, but maybe he said some stuff in what he didn't say. Um, if you've read a little bit of what Mo said, I've tried to watch some of the interview, but was there anything that stood out to you about in any of I mean, he broached, he touched on a lot of different things. Yeah. Well, and one thing I do want to jump back real quick and tell people listening, if they have not listened to your interview with Jeff, go back and check it out. You guys sat down for about an hour and Jeff really gave some insights that only someone working in the industry could give. So it's, it's really a great and fascinating interview, but thinking about this week and winter warm up and what's going on, I think this is a minor thing, but one of the things that jumped out to me, and this kind of started coming out through Derek Gould and a couple other people leading into this is that they seem determined to add another reliever. It, it seems almost inevitable in the way that Mo talked about it, the way Gould has reported it, it. It seems like something that's going to happen soon. And it's not a matter of if they do it, but when they do it. So, that's one of the things on the baseball side that I think people, if you know, if you're looking at the team, are they finished yet? Well, it doesn't seem like it. But then some of the other comments, just the way Mo talked about the overall philosophy and some of the decision making that went on this offseason. And, you know, it's one of those things you listen to it and you just kind of turn your head to the side and go, eh. Uh, really like, do you guys really believe what you're saying? Do they, do they really believe that they have put together a team that's going to compete in October? That's going to be playing in October. And if you listen to them, it seems like they, I, I don't know if they're convinced that that's happening or they're trying to convince themselves that it's happening, but the words that they say basically make it sound like that Mo and company surely believe that they have put together a winning ro roster, which you would probably say that starts with a winning rotation. I don't know if that's the case. And I think a lot of fans are going to look at 
the comments that Mo made and go, I don't think we're thinking the same things right now because things just seem off. And so as I kept reading more comments from Mo, I just kind of kept thinking like, does he truly believe this or is he speaking more as someone who tried to do the most with the limited budget he was given? Well, I mean, he's definitely not going to come out and say, oh, no, we're not we're not any good because that means he hasn't done his job. Right. And, right, yeah. uh, and it's not exactly great for selling tickets and things of that nature. But yeah, I, I do. I think it's fair to say, you know, is this, is this happy talk? Is this putting the best spin on it? Or do they actually believe that these things are going to be great? And if that's the case, then you wonder about their evaluation and, and what they're looking at and and everything else now granted they also have more information and they may have better ideas of why lance lynn is going to bounce back or why kyle gibson is going to fit in very well with this organization and you know the the fact that the the floor has been raised and you feel a lot more confident about at least the baseline of these pitchers you know maybe they'll pull that all in and the steps forward that some of these young guys are going to take but um yeah, it is. It is really interesting to hear how how focused they are on this, and it's not even. I don't think, and I don't. Mo didn't say anything about you know there were opportunities we were looking at that just did pan out. They didn't say anything like that, and so it makes you wonder exactly what they have done this winter or what they've been talking about this winter that hasn't come up. Now they did say. Mo did say something to the effect that he could have traded some of the young talent of, I assume he didn't put names on it, but I'm assuming you're talking about Gorman or Donovan or somebody of that nature, or maybe Newt Barr, because uh, people asked about those guys and they wanted to keep this, this court or this young talent together. And I think that's, that's legitimate and that's, that's fine. Um, so, but it's just interesting to, to wonder what the other side of that was you know was there a deal out there that they maybe should have made um but they didn't for whatever reason yeah and unfortunately until reporting comes out if it ever does we have to deal in hypotheticals because Mm -hmm. we truly don't know and i think one indication that things have not trended in their way as far as trades go you just look at the rest of baseball and say we really have we haven't really seen many trades that have taken right. place, especially for right. starting pitchers. Um, we saw Chris Sale get moved um, and Atlanta uh, felt like they kind of gave up a lot to get Sale. But even at this point, we've not seen Dylan Cease go anywhere. The Marlins have not traded anybody. Seattle has not traded anybody. And the more you hear about Cease, the more you hear that they basically asked the Reds for a ton to get him. Um, it sounds like that the Dodgers were willing to package Michael Bush, who is a top 50 prospect they were willing to package him with other things to get cease and still didn't get him so i i have a feeling right now that you know even if the cardinals have stepped into those waters to look at trades the asking price has just been so ridiculously high i i think people thought that everything was going to thaw out a little bit after otani signed and it didn't and then we thought okay well once yamamoto signs then things will pick up and they didn't, we still have Montgomery and Snell out there. And I think that's causing the trade market to also slow down. So, you know, it's easy to look at the Cardinals and say, why didn't they make a trade? Why didn't they give up 
some prospects or talent to get a, a starting pitcher, a number one or number two. But we don't know. We don't know what the asking price is. I mean, for all we know, it could have been they could have been saying, yeah, well, we'll trade a starter, but we want Mason Wynn, Lars Newtbar, and we want Nolan Gorman. It, right. it could have been something like that. It could have been that we want Tink Hintz, we want Roby, we want Sejaci, and we want Nolan Gorman. I, we don't know. So at this point, you kind of just, because no one else in baseball is making these moves, you kind of have to assume the asking prices have just been way too high. So what that does, though, for the Cardinals is we're, we're right now, we're headed into to spring training in about a month. Cardinals are stacked as far as offense goes. And maybe some of that log jam is still there. Uh, middle infield, it looks like we still have kind of a lot of guys. Outfield is a little more clear, but there's still some stuff going on there. And so maybe they still do move somebody. Uh, maybe it still does happen. But um, from everything you hear, it just kind of sounds like this is about it as far as position players go and probably starting pitching as well. Yeah. And they've cleaned out enough stuff that they probably can get by at least for a few months. Right. So they can see what they have. Um, you know, the middle infield, there's guys that can play at Memphis, so JC, things of that nature. Um, and so, you know, they, they can kind of make this work and then maybe, you know, maybe you're looking at trade deadline. That's when you pull the trigger on a, on a trade that sends out some of these other parts and maybe the prices are different at that point in time. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think that, you know, people like Cease especially were probably have been, you know, the, the White Sox have been asking for a, you know, like half a team for him. And <laughs> there's just not, and I, mean, and I think to some degree they should be, right? I mean, these are young, talented pitchers that have time still on their, you know, their um, contract. They shouldn't. I think that's part of the problem with baseball sometimes, right? As those guys are getting moved with two years left, with three years left or something like that, instead of a team trying to hold on and trying to do something with them. And I get it. You know, you're getting more for it, but it's also, how are you ever going to, you know, get out of this hole if you're continually trying to get prospects and, and then trading them off while they're still controllable. So I, you know, I don't know. I, th I think that you're right. I mean, the, the, if they get another reliever, you know, you and I talked about it this week. It's probably, you know, a John Brebbia type. Um, it's, uh, you know, some veteran middle infielder, middle reliever that has a, you know, have a year contract that's three or four million dollars. And, you know, for the fact that they keep talking about they're not done, they may not be, but I can't imagine that anything else they do actually moves the needle. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that whatever happens, I, I, you know, it's one of the things that may not move the needle, but it actually could make a huge difference on the team going forward. Mm -hmm. Cause I think either Mo or maybe it was Gould wrote about it and said that they actually use the term late inning uh, reliever for this point at this point. And so, you know, I don't think you're talking about a Josh Hader. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think a Neris happens either, especially when you see some of the money that some of these relievers have gotten, mm -hmm. but uh, maybe a Matan, um, I think we've kind of joked about Adam Adovino could possibly be a possibility, but that really may actually happen. Put that veteran presence in the bullpen, kind of take the role that Andrew Miller had a couple years ago. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think we could see somebody like that, a Stevenson potentially, um, but a guy that could come in and maybe 
pitch the seventh or eighth, a guy who's going to have an under four ERA for the season, we hope. And maybe that's the guy that takes the position that they thought Palante was going to have last year that it really didn't work out. Or maybe he takes the position that uh, Gallegos was going to have. But what we talked about this last week, but the bullpen is starting to look like a bullpen of quantity and quality. And that's one of the reasons why I'm a little more optimistic this season, because I think they have done a good job putting the bullpen together and it's really flown under the radar. The other factor that goes into this too is the whole Heim Bloom equivalency or the factor going on here and what he's doing. Uh, Mo admitted this weekend that he has consulted with him on some of these trades or pickups. And so maybe he has picked up on some of these guys or he's seen these guys for so long that he knows that there's something special going on here. And so you add a Kittredge, you add a, whoever it may be that's still to come to this bullpen that already looks pretty decent. And you know what? Maybe this team looks a whole lot different once you get past the sixth inning this year. Maybe. Although, you know, last year we thought Genesis Cabrera was going to be a really good option and that didn't turn <laughs> out and other things of that nature. So it's, it's a bullpen and we, and you, we all know what a bullpen is. <laughs> you cannot trust a bullpen from one year to another, but I agree that it, it definitely looks good and there's flexibility there so that, you know, there are people that can be sent down to Memphis and then brought back up and, you know, other arms flipped around. And that's something to watch in spring training who who gets, you know, first shot out of the gate. But, you know, a guy that goes to Memphis may be in St. Louis by the end of April as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting. I also saw a and I haven't followed up on this for sure, but I saw a headline today that Mo said something to the effect that the impact of the RSN did not affect them this winter. Now that's kind of contradictory to what Bill DeWitt the third has been out there saying over the last week. Um, and I think that that's, that's a little interesting, right? Cause if, if Mo's right and that they didn't worry too much about the fact they weren't going to get paid because they should get paid this year, you know, it's harder to put this, off season in the right perspective, right? I think at least when you're looking at Lynn and Gibson and all them and you say, well, okay, that's not great, but if they're worried about money, you can see why they're doing it. If they weren't necessarily concerned about the RSN money, then it's hard to know why they didn't get a little more aggressive, especially in short-term contracts um, over this winter. Yeah, I read that same thing too, and I kind of shook my head at that one because I thought, really, like this this isn't an issue because we've been hearing a lot of things about this. Um, Derek Gould was one of the ones that reported on. I actually have his piece right here from the Post Dispatch where he said, Mosaic and ownership have consistently said their spending this winter was not influenced by the uncertainty caused by broadcast partner Bally Sports Midwest Midwest's parent company going into bankruptcy. But beyond this year. That is an unknown. Um, looking at some of the moves or lack of, you think that that unknown may have actually played a big role in this because we expected them to spend more the way they talked for sure. We thought they would spend more. And so I don't I don't know how that has not played a factor. If that has not played a factor whatsoever, then it's one of those kind of like, well, what are you doing? Uh, how come, you know, how come it's Lynn and Gibson and not, you know, insert B or C there? Um, plus Sonny Gray. So uh, 
maybe that's the case. I, I don't know. It just seems a little odd. Uh, you know, I, I did think it was interesting with your discussion with Jeff. You know, he talked about how we, we typically look at the roster, the 26 man, and see that their spending is a little bit under where it was last year. But if you look at the full 40 man, it has crossed the 200 mark, the 200 million mark. Well, for, for the luxury tax, too, when you add in some of the other yes. stuff that goes along with it. Yeah. So maybe that is exactly what they meant. Um, it, it may be those things that between the fans are looking at it one way, ownership's looking at it one way, and we're arguing the same thing with two different words. And so to the ownership, yes, spending has definitely gone up to the fans. No, it hasn't. And neither one is actually wrong. Um, in some ways, we're just speaking two different languages. Uh, maybe that's the case. I don't know. But again, it's hard for me to really believe that decision making has not been influenced by the Bally situation. Um now, if they would have said it's not been influenced by the Bally situation, it was influenced by the decline in ticket sales last year, I think fans would have really lost their mind because yeah. the argument would be, well, then put a winner on the field and we'll show up. Mm-hmm. But right now, um, I, yeah, I, I think Mo actually even tossed a, a bone to the fans there and kind of said, it's because of you that we're able to actually spend the money that we do. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's really weird. I mean, and I've said this, I think, since he signed. I don't understand why they backloaded Sonny Gray's contract, right? I mean, again, we're talking about we know this money is coming in this year. We don't know what's 25 and 26 are going to look like. And yes, some things are rolling off. But would you rather pay Sonny Gray $30 million now when you know you have money coming in or $30 million two years from now when you can basically guarantee that that contract isn't going to be there and you're going to be in a some sort of different paradigm, whether it's sold direct to the customer, whether it's all those things are going to be on Amazon, whatever the case may be, you don't know what that is. And yet they, you know, went short this year. And, and again, it just, I don't know. It seems very weird to me. I mean, cause if they had, even if they had moved Sonny Gray's contract, evenly across the three years you know to about what 20 or something million dollars they're moving up those payroll rankings like bill dewitt said uh, that they were going to um but since they you know kind of backloaded it you don't get that it's 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 odd i mean but then again you know the decisions that this front office and this ownership groups have made over the last two or three years odd is kind of par for the course yeah and you could throw Contreras in there too because we all got hopeful when we heard about that contract last year. And now you're going to get to a point where, yeah, you're going to have Goldschmidt off the books at some point, but you're going to have both Sonny Gray and Contreras having huge contracts at some point because of the way they did this. And, you know, when fans are hopeful that this means they're going to spend more then they don't go out and spend more. And then a couple of years come and suddenly they're paying these $30 million contracts and, the team is strapped for cash because they've done this. You're looking at it and going, why didn't you just go ahead and pay, you know, front load these contracts? Like that mm-hmm. makes absolutely no sense, especially if you're not going to go out and get somebody. Now, maybe there's still a chance they do something. Maybe there's still a chance that they get a cease. I, I doubt it. Maybe they get a Lizardo. I, I doubt that too. Maybe they get somebody, I don't know, like a Valdez. I, I don't know. I, I doubt it, but maybe there is still something in the works and that's why we're not, hearing maybe that's why this is happening and maybe we're just hearing the front office be very quiet about it because they don't have anything official yet or um, they're still working on a few deals that could be the case but the fact that we actually have expected that in years past and it hasn't happened doesn't have me too optimistic that that's actually what they're doing I think it was just to save money now and they're going to pay for it 
literally in the future. Yeah. And then, you know, again, you're looking at it a couple of years when you're hitting that, I'm going to have to think about it and how, see how that works out. But you're about to start, you know, at that point in time, you're starting to get to where Jordan Walker and then Mason Wynn start getting into at least arbitration years. And whether you try to sign them out of that or whatever, their costs are going to go significantly up. You're having Lars Newbar into that situation by then. You know, some of this young talent, Nolan Gorman, Brandon Donovan, is getting a lot more pricey by that point in time. So, yeah, I don't know why you do that. I'm sure there were reasons and, and it hopefully will work out, but it seemed very weird not to take the assurance of money this year, which is, you know, 99% chance that they're going to get all their money this year um, versus the risks that they're taking in the future. But that's, that maybe not here or there. There were some other things that came out this, um, in, in the interviews again, this is, it's not quite best shape of your life season, but it's close, right? Everybody's <laughs> saying the right thing, saying the, the stuff that you want to hear. Um, they're getting fired up for the next year. Um, I did think it was very kind of interesting. You heard people like Brendan Donovan and others say that, you know, everybody, you know, kind of group text over the winter. Everybody's very disappointed about what last year, everybody's kind of fired up about going into this year that everything's going to be better coming into this year. And then, you know, again, it's not like they went into last year saying we're going to be terrible, but it is kind of, I don't know if refreshing or maybe comforting to know that these guys are taking this seriously and are doing everything they can to put a much better product on the field for 2024. Yeah. I, you know, when you listen to it, sometimes you can really find yourself buying into the hype and thinking mm-hmm. like, wow, these guys are going to go out and they're all going to have all-star years. And I hope, so. hopefully they do. And, but you'd rather hear that than hearing like the guys just kind of be ho-hum and eh, it was, you know, we're, we hope to do better, you know, kind of like the Bill Belichick where it's, everything's right. just very monotone. Um, it sounds like these guys do like each other, which does actually account for something. Um, cause you know, there's been talks about the leadership last year and the lack of leadership in the locker room and why they had to add Gibson and Lynn and kind of makes you question like really what was going on and uh, mm-hmm. the whole mess with Contreras and which we've, we've heard some comments from Jack Flaherty in the last couple of weeks that he <laughs> I kind of admitted he may have contributed to that, which I think you were one of the first people to kind of spot that. Um, so maybe it is going to be a different locker room. Maybe these guys are more fired up. Maybe they got complacent last year going into the season and they've got that renewed fire underneath them, but it is good to hear about guys like, um, like, Gorman uh, changing up his nutrition and his his off season workout plan. You know, a lot of these guys they've just been doing their own thing. They're still pretty young, and this is some of the first time they've actually had professionals helping them. Because even at like, well, not all, all of them went to college. Someone came out of high school, but even at the minor league level, um, you're not necessarily getting the nutrition or the nutritional lessons that you need. You're not getting the protein you need. You're not getting the weightlifting programs. So for some of these guys, this really is the first time they've had this at their disposal, and so we may see a much stronger and healthier Nolan Gorman. We may see a Jordan Walker who whose weight has gone up a little bit as he's starting to fill into his frame and adding more muscle. And so uh, you hope this, this is a team that's come together, but you also hope this is a team that's coming together much healthier than they have been in the past. And so, yeah, you know, hearing that stuff does get me excited about the season. Um, uh, the off season has been a little underwhelming. I don't want to say disappointing, but I'll say a little underwhelming, but as we get closer to Valentine's day, 
it does get exciting knowing that Cardinal baseball is about to be back. And there are a lot of reasons to be excited and to be optimistic. Um, You know, I don't think this team is going to be a a bottom dweller this year. I don't think we're looking at a Washington Nationals, Colorado Rockies type team. I do think this team will compete. Now, 100 wins, probably not. But yeah, listening to these guys talk, it sounds like they are ready to get back at it. And I think they're going to put a competitive team on the field. I hate the fact that they open up in like the worst schedule possible. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think this is going to be a fun season to watch. Yeah, I mean, and that was another thing that Jeff and I touched on on over mutual that the fact that, you know, they could get off to a slow start, which does, you know, what does that mean? You know, what does that mean for Ollie? What does that mean for the front office and things of that nature? And it may be just, hey, you go play the Dodgers and the Padres to start the season. And, you know, that may not mean a whole lot. But after last year, when April was so terrible, um, it gets people a little antsy. So, yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how that first month goes. But, um, yeah, you're right. We got a month from today is uh, pitchers and catchers reporting. So, It'll be here before you know it. Um, it was also very interesting to hear today that the Cardinals um, have their own Mookie Betts, it seems like, <laughs> in, in Victor Scott II, who I believe it was Mason Wynn that, that termed him that, maybe Jordan Walker. Uh, but apparently it's very good at bowling, very good at basketball, very good at a couple other things, uh, and, of course, very good at baseball. Um it feels like Victor Scott II is starting to get that kind of hype momentum that we saw out of Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn over the last year or two. Um, it's I think that's for for a guy that's not going to make the team. And we say that we we said that the last year about Jordan Walker too. But uh, for a guy that's not going to make the team, he may have the most interesting spring training to watch. Yeah, uh, he's an exciting player. And it, I, I laughed when I heard the Mookie Betts comment. You know, I'm here, people know I'm here in Nashville where Mookie Betts is from. Uh, my wife's a school teacher and the school she used to teach at is where Mookie Betts went to middle school. And so he, he he's a big deal down here, but he's also kind of just like a normal guy down here. Um, you know, he's he's been at the school when my wife has been there and walked by and uh, he does not look like a professional athlete. He looks like he's about 18 years old. Um, it's pretty funny and but he the thing is he he is a better bowler than a baseball player and Mookie Betts is a very good baseball player but he's an even better bowler so to hear somebody like Victor Scott who's you know an 80 when it comes to speed to hear he's also an excellent bowler is pretty funny but the guy has I I don't know flash swag I don't know the right term but like the guy style maybe that's it Um, but there's just something about his game that's just a whole lot of fun to watch um jordan walker kind of fits in that category mason win um you could probably put a guy you see a little bit of it in brendan donovan and lars newbar just they've, they've got something different and it's it, it's kind of that um they don't have that bottled up energy like we've seen some cardinals teams in the past have where it's almost like it's a it's a bad thing to have fun like don't go out there and have fun just go out there and play hard and put your head down like these guys and it, maybe it's because they're a product of a different generation, a younger generation. But um, guys like Scott, he looks like he just has so much fun playing the game. And um, I heard Mo talking about him a couple of weeks ago, and he said that Scott this past year really went from being like a sprinter to being a baseball player. And so this is going to be a guy that we're going to see steal a ton of bases. He's going to make diving catches in center field in the future. And so uh, whether he's bowling strikes or whether he's 
legging out triples. It's going to be so much fun over the next 10 years or so to watch him do his thing. Um, he's not going to be a big home run guy. He'll hit him occasionally, uh, but he's a guy that anytime he puts the ball in the gap, he may be a threat to actually get a home run. So um, one of those guys, I, I'm glad, like you said, he is getting the recognition he deserves starting to climb the Cardinals prospect list. I think baseball prospectus already has him in their top 101. It'll be curious to see if MLB and Baseball America put him there. Um, but yeah, you know, I was a little worried that after Walker graduated and, and once Wynn does that the Cardinals farm was going to look pretty bare. Uh, but no, another exciting guy that's shooting up. And yeah, I think I think we'll see him with the Cardinals at some point in 2024. But I think we'll see him full time manning the Manning center field in 2025. Yeah, I think I mean, my my personal feeling just because of what the level of experience he has and all that, I'm still thinking, you know, September call up. Um, it's kind of the Mason win approach, except that hopefully not in August because the team is terrible. Um, like win had, um, but yeah, I think a little bit of time this year and then yeah, full time next year, which then leads us to probably the, uh, the only non winter warmup news of the week, um, is arbitration numbers were exchanged and for the Cardinals, they agreed with five of six of their players and they will not have to do the whole trial episode but they do go to the mats with tommy edmund uh four hundred and ninety five thousand dollars difference between the two numbers and i just thought that was very interesting i mean again tommy edmund is a guy that maybe next year doesn't have a position if mason Wynn establishes himself at, at short and victor scott comes in and, and takes over center maybe there's not really a spot for tommy edmund on the 2025 Cardinals and maybe the Cardinals were looking at that. I have always felt the Cardinals kind of overvalued Tommy Edmund. I was very surprised that they did not settle and that they're going to go to arbitration with this guy. Yeah. I, you know, I know there's probably a matter of principle where the Cardinals have a number and they say, this is as high we will, as we will go. We are not going to move off of it. And Edmund asked for more and they probably just said no. That's not going to happen. You kind of wish that they maybe would meet in the middle because even meeting in the middle, if they could, you're talking $200,000, which is a whole lot of money to me, but in baseball <laughs> terms, it really isn't that much money. Um, so yeah, you kind of hope that, you know, this is one of those situations that I think if I'm the Cardinals and I'm going into this arbitration meeting, I'm probably just going in and telling the judge, just give him what he wants. Like, we're not going to make a big deal of this. You, know, you tell Edmund, hey, don't tell anybody that I'm doing this, but yeah, we're just going to just we're going to give you what you want um, because you don't want to cause an issue. Now, I don't think Edmund's the kind of guy that's going to get bitter or upset over something like this. And uh, I guess the Cardinals are going to take a file and trial approach to this, but yeah, it, it does seem a little unnecessary, but it may have been just a matter of principle for the Cardinals. But I, I always like it when they can work these things out ahead of time, because we know it messed with Tyler O'Neill in the past. Um, I believe, I think it was, was it Corbin Burns last year that seemed like he got really upset over it? Burns, and, Burns definitely did. But then, you know, just a couple of days after that, you know, Ryan Helsley comes out and says, he did what well, not with the same kind of language that Burns did, but a little bit of the same idea of, hey, you know, I'm listening to them tell me I can't pitch every day when they're the ones that are making sure I don't pitch every day, you know, that kind of stuff. So, I, you know, one of the reasons probably that, that they settled with Helsley this year was <laughs> not to have to go through that again with, with somebody like that. So, yeah. And I think I even mean, Denton reported at the deadline that they, he thought Helsley would actually be dealt because he still had some 
like lingering bitterness over it, which he refuted. He got on Twitter and refuted and was like, this is news to me. Uh, oh. But yeah, that's you don't want those things to cause issues throughout the season. You want it to be over as quickly as it can. Um, so thankfully, it's only one situation, but you'd love it to be none. Yeah, uh, I'm surprised it didn't got that wrong. Um, very, very surprising. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I don't know. I'm just, the Cardinals are weird lately about that. You know, they went 20 something years without going to arbitration. It was Darren Oliver in 99 before Walker, I guess at 17. So I guess 18 years or something there. But now they've gone, you know, three or four, almost every once every year since then. Um, and it just doesn't make sense, right? I mean, like you said, it's, you know, you're fighting over a little bit of money to them. You're got a chance to ruin a re- relationship with a player um, or, you know, put them in the wrong mindset or anything of that nature. It just, you know, come to some good faith, uh, you know, agreement and say, okay, we'll give you this. And I mean, now granted the Cardinals could have, right. They could have tried to meet in the middle and Tommy Edmonds team didn't want to. And I, I, you know, I guess if they're not going to meet you halfway, then you're not necessarily going to go the whole length of the field. But um, it still just is not a great look. I don't, uh, for me personally, like you said, it, it's just not a great look. Yeah. And, you know, and it, this kind of falls in the category of things we don't know, but perhaps the Cardinals did extend. Like maybe Edmund was asking for a whole lot more and the Cardinals extended quite a bit more than they expected and still couldn't get there. And they just were like, you know, we've already gone up a million dollars. We cannot go up another 400,000. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But this is one of the situations you just hope let's, let's get it worked out. Let's get things going. And hopefully there's no sleepless nights or bitter feelings that come after it. Hopefully not. Also, the Cardinals have released their new slogan for the year. It's for the Lou. No idea that they were going to um, have a whole year about Lou Brock, but there you go. Um, maybe, maybe that's not what that's about. I don't know. Doesn't um, that mean, doesn't the Lou, isn't that like a toilet? In yeah, country. yeah, that's that's also. I guess it depends on how the season goes. Um, yeah, um, or maybe boy. they're consigning last year to that. Maybe that's what this. Idea oh, is. Chicago's gonna have a lot of fun with that one. Um, good job, well, marketing team. To be fair, Chicago's had a lot of bad ones <laughs> last year that we've had fun <laughs> with. So maybe it's only fair. Um, you know, um, also not sure how Adam Wainwright is gonna call you know title a song like that, but I'm sure he'll find a way. Um, because you know, his time to fly was a slogan from what 17, 18, somewhere like that a few years back. So, um, very possible. We'll have a for the Louvre song from, from Wayne, right? Maybe on his second album. Um, anyway, we're it's, this is the kind of stuff you have to talk about in the middle of winter. Um, before we wrap it up, was there anything else? Like I said, a lot of players there, um, this, this weekend, some that weren't Nolan Arnauto, Paul Goldschmidt, Michael, Mike, Miles Michaelis, um, either had other commitments or decided, you know what, it's warmer in Arizona and Florida than it is to uh, be in St. Louis. Um, can't blame them for that either. Um, but was there anything that really kind of stood out to you before we kind of wrap this? I, I think we've hit the main points. I, I think the thing that always stands out to me this year is what a great job the Cardinals do with winter warmup. Um, I love that the proceeds for this go to Cardinals care. And for the most part, autographs are still reasonable in price. 
Um, you know, a guy like Jordan Walker, I think his autograph was like $75, which that does seem like a lot. If you're in the collecting industry, you know that that is very small for anything with Jordan Walker's name on it. Um, if you want to get a, a baseball card that was signed by him, you're going to be paying a lot of money. So the fact that you could actually go meet him, get his autograph, um, so many players for $10, so many players for free. I, I just think the Cardinals do a wonderful job with this and with the money going to Cardinals care. It's such, such a great thing so that would be my only other takeaway from it i I may be missing something but i it's one of those things when you hear about what goes on and what the money goes to just makes me proud to be a cardinals fan well i think it's also fair and i and i know other teams do this as well Uh, i know the reds definitely do and i'm sure others do but you know along with one warm-up we've also got the the cardinal caravan going on this weekend right where they Mm -hmm. hit three or four different towns, um, you know, and different players are going different places. And obviously it's none of the big names. It's, you know, it's prospects coming up or, you know, Packy Naughton was out there uh, still in his 70, thankfully, um, before he, since he's changing to 30, but he was still repping the seven zero probably because he hadn't got a new Jersey yet. Um, but, you know, that gives a chance to go out to people that can't necessarily get to St. Louis. Uh, I kind of wish they'd be a little closer to me. Um, <laughs> the only one in Arkansas is on the other side of the state. Um, and then I think there was one up in Joplin that, you know, but that's still a ways off as well. But, um, but it's always kind of interesting to, you know, it gives a chance to some of those people to, to get out and mingle and, and see the, the players. And it kind of really represents the fact that Cardinal nation is a, a widespread thing, right? It's over many a state. Um, and, you know, to, to really respect the fans enough to come to them is pretty nice. Yeah. Um, it, I, I love what they do with the caravan. And I think they've been doing something now where kids, maybe it's 15 and under or so um, you can get something signed by the players when you go, which this thing has blown up and there are so many people that go to it. Uh, but they actually, the, the players stay around and they sign stuff for kids. And in some of my baseball card groups, um, people have been posting pictures of stuff. Um, kids who Jordan it's it's so cool to hear Jordan Walker is their favorite player these young kids mm-hmm. they've seen him play for one year and Jordan Walker is their favorite player and their kids were getting their cards signed by Jordan Walker uh, one person said that Walker actually held up the card and looked at it and said wow I've never actually seen this card before um, this is really cool and signed it and um, <laughs> just getting a chance to interact with it I mean that that is so cool for a kid. Uh, that's something yeah. they will never forget. Um, and so for them to take that just kind of around Southern Missouri, parts of Tennessee, Arkansas, just such a very cool thing. Great thing. I love that these players do it. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's very cool. Yeah, it, it's great. Uh, you know, again, we have our disagreements, I guess maybe a, a nice way of saying it with, with what the front office does and how the Cardinals run things and what ownership wants to do how much they want to spend, all that kind of stuff. But it's also, I mean, there there is plenty of evidence to show that the front off the, the ownership cares about the fan base. You know, they may go about it differently than we think they do, but we've seen a lot of ownerships that has no respect at all for the people that are paying uh, to come into this thing. And the Cardinals are not like that. Uh, you know, they do things like this. Um, they do try to reach out. Um, you know, I know the cynical people would say, yes, that's the way they get to, you know, continue to raise money and get the money people to come into the stadium. But, you know, that's not what everybody does. So uh, for them to, to really care about not only the, you know, the fan base, they care about the history of the organization. They care about the uniforms. They care 
about a lot of things. And, and again, they go at it differently than we think they should sometimes. And they go at it, uh, you know, at, with financial resources that we may not agree with, but they do try to put out a really good team almost every time. And they try to make sure it's a good fan experience. And I think you got to respect that. Absolutely. And, and I'll give credit to the DeWitts, Bill DeWitt Jr., Bill DeWitt III. They were at the winter warm-up actually signing autographs. You could actually get a ticket and get their autographs. Now, people would say, well, why would I want that? Well, that's, that's neither here nor there. But you got to think, by doing that, they're putting themselves out there to the public and taking a chance that people could say anything that they wanted to to them. People that are disgruntled about the offseason or last season, they're taking the chance that people may just let them have it and lay into them by being open to the public like that. You compare that to what the Rams dealt with with Stan Kroenke in St. Louis, a guy who didn't even show up for their games, who was never in his private suite. Completely different situation, night and day. And so, yeah, we can have disagreements about what they do from a personnel standpoint and a money standpoint, but I truly do believe that this ownership, this front office, they love the team. They love St. Louis. They really are trying their best. We just disagree about what that method looks like. Yeah. Besides the fact, why would you not want the autograph of the guy that owned the uniform that Eddie Goodell used? I mean, that is true. Yes, that's 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 a connection to history right there. So, um, yeah, it's very that's pretty pretty good. And you're right, it, it, it's a it's a gamble on their part, um, much like it is when Mo and Bill DeWitt the third come in and talk to the bloggers every year. So, <laughs> uh, but at least uh, at least they're uh, they can have security escort them out if they need to. All right. Well, hopefully we'll we'll be back next week. We'll talk about we'll see if the Cardinals do have any activity. Uh, between now and um, the first day of spring training. We'll, we'll continue to keep an eye on that. Um, plenty of other things Cardinal-related to talk about. But until then, for David, I'm Daniel. Good night. Alisayev, the second for one, the double play. What a double play by Ozzie Smith. Oh, mercy.